Pack it up, pack it in, we're about to begin. Tim is here and Jeff be joining in. Hope you like the intro, hope you like the show. Now turn up the volume because we're ready to go. Welcome boys and girls to the White McCann Jump Show. And we're back, everyone. Welcome to another stunning edition of White Men Can't Jump. I am Tim, of course, from the Great White North, back from a mud wrestling tour of the OPEC countries. And with me, as always, a man who, well, uh, had several slip and fall injuries down at the shop this week. (laughs) Uh, my, My good friend, Jeff. Jeff, how's it going, buddy? We won't uh, say what <clears throat> what uh, caused me to slip. I won't say where you slip or what shop you were at. But <laughs> so uh, another interesting week in the world of sports. Um, quick, uh, quick little thing before we get on to a uh, thirty by thirty by uh, on Mr. Greg Norman. That poor man. We'll get to that in a second. Um, a quick little thing about the highest-paid quarterbacks, Jeff. Uh, the uh, top eight uh, paid quarterbacks. How many uh, uh, minus Deshaun Watson? Because now he's guess he's signed since this happened. How many playoff wins do you think they have? Over the top eight. The top. I'll, I'll, I'll even give them to you. Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady. Oh. Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, Jared Goff, Ben Ben Roethlisberger, and Carson Wentz. Well, I know one man probably has more than the rest combined. Uh, He does. Um, Well, Roethlisberger may. This is in the last, this is of course also, this is in the last three years. I better throw that in there because I was looking at this and going, this isn't right. Uh... Oh, in the last three years, not yeah. total. Yeah, in the last three years. Huh. That one guy still has more than everybody combined, by the way. Uh, I'll say, well, 10 sounds good. Yeah, that, you would be too high. Really? Well, huh. Dak Prescott, none. Russell Wilson, one. Brady's got five. Kirk Cousins has one. Matt Ryan has none. Jared Goff has none. Ben Roethlisberger has none. And Carson Wentz has none. Wow. So there's a whole seven. And between them, those guys are all making, well, two of them over 100 mil. Brady, I mean, that doesn't... Uh, has Deshaun Watson got, what, one playoff win? Uh, yeah, I think... They won the wild card round there one year, and they, but then they lost. Because he would be on that list of highest paid now. Um, isn't, uh, shouldn't Matthew Stafford be on this list? Isn't he getting paid a boatload, or is he still on an old contract? Well, he did get traded. I don't know if they gave him an extension. Or... I, I don't remember him getting paid anymore. So He might be still getting his old Detroit contract. That he had, so. <laughs> which means he <laughs> he gets uh, rich crackers and a little bit of moldy cheese after each game. <laughs> well, he is a Super Bowl champion, so yeah, the revenge is uh, 
it was all his, certainly. So, um, yeah, I just thought I'd throw that out there. I just thought that was interesting. Particularly that some of those guys, uh, Dak Prescott particularly, who can't even win a one lousy game. Pretty sad. Uh, so, uh, what was that? Uh, was that Tuesday night on ESPN? We had the pleasure of uh, taking in uh, 30 on 30 for Mr. Greg Norman. Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, wasn't uh, quite as good as I'd hoped. As I was hoping for a little more controversy, uh, a little dirt maybe, maybe somebody threw somebody under the table kind of thing. Although they really, well, they kind of painted Nick Faldo out to be a bit of a shit. Well, but he might be. So that I don't really know. Uh, what were what were your what were your thoughts on the Greg Norman thing? You know, I I thought it would have been. I thought some of it was what I expected, but then, like you said, there were some parts, things in it said that. Um, I think some stuff was left out. Um, particularly, they they talked about his '96 Masters, and like that was the end of it. Well, and uh, he had a chance. He was in a final pairing in '99 at the Masters. Uh, again, he lost. Had a. I mean, he didn't have the worst back nine, but again, he didn't get it done and. In fairness to him, no one broke 70 that day, and he shot a 73. Uh, <clears throat> but I thought there was some unfair comments about him, in particular from uh, Brandel Shambly, he's a, who, who's a golf channel analyst and was once a PGA Tour golfer. I think he might have had one win maybe. And then Peter Costas, who worked for CBS. Peter Costas made the comment, and they were talking about his uh, Norman losing on one of the miracle shots by Larry Mize in the 87 Masters, saying that, hey, uh, he had three bogeys on the back nine in 87. Uh, although he put himself in position to get beat like that, nobody has three bogeys on the back nine and wins a green jacket. Well, that was uh, false, and even false for that particular tournament. Larry Miles actually bogeyed three holes on the back nine. Uh, well, hold on, then. Hold on. Just give me a second. I'll dial up ESPN. We'd like to speak to the golf department, please. You bastards hey. are a bunch of liars. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Sensel. Well, you think, you know what, though? You'd think that that, I mean, you'd think they'd edit that. Well, Like and, somebody and, had to know that wasn't the case. Yeah, well, he, I mean, that, and then what was ironic was that actual tournament that the winner actually, Larry Miles actually bogeyed. Actually did? Yeah, he did. And then in 2005, guess who did and still won? Well, Tiger Woods bogeyed three holes okay, on the back. We nine, don't. But, yeah. but we don't, we don't. We don't call out Tiger. Well, well, it's not only that. It doesn't, you know, that doesn't fit the narrative of the, the. I mean, I kind of, at first I felt sorry for, for him. Then I didn't. And then by the end, part of me anyway, I kind of felt like, okay, did they make this to try to, like, you know, this isn't a behind the scenes look of getting into the, 
the dark corner of what really happened and there was some some reason that nobody really knew about that was revealed that you know he had a and not that I was expecting them to say he had an injury or anything like that but just that you know, okay he mentally wasn't quite right or whatever it was it was almost kind of it felt at the end like it was almost a hit piece to some degree like yeah yeah I agree you know that <laughs> it, oh oh geez, there's ESPN phoning back <laughs> I'll just ignore that wholeheartedly. Either that or it's, uh, it might be the athletic. They might, they might need me to comment on something that happened in hockey today. But, uh, yeah, I just felt like it was kind of like, you know, they were looking for reasons to throw him under the, uh, well, you know, because they kept asking, well, would your life be any different if, uh, uh, you know, if, you'd if, yeah, if you'd have won and, like, the, I don't know what they wanted him to say, but, well, yeah, that's a, and that's you know that's a difficult uh, that's a tough question. Of course, not surprised that was asked, but you know, I feel like I'm like you. I feel like they just pretty much made everybody that lived during that time period relive that. I mean, I know there's people that maybe if you were born or maybe a five year old at 1996 or, but I was you know in my early teen years and. I got the sense that going into that last day, well, uh, I, I kind of had a feeling that it was going to happen the way it played out. It was unfortunate. Uh, I didn't think it would happen like it did, like how massive it did. But really, through five holes, he was still up five in the 96 Masters. And... Um, then his his biggest struggle was on, um, well, I think Faldo birdied par five eighth, and then he, he said the key shot of the tournament was when he came up short on nine on on his approach to the green, and on that hole you can't come up short. And even Ken Venturi at the time said you, he told him if if he wants a three shot lead going into the back nine, he has this has to be long, and it wasn't. So Faldo got within two, and then on ten he bogeyed Norman bogeyed, and then on eleven. He missed a short birdie putt and then missed a comebacker, and that was pretty much a uh, sign of, you know, the big collapse, and the next hole we hit it in the water, and that was pretty much it. He had one chance at eagle on 15 that he almost chipped in it. He may have had to come back in, but I think they, I think he felt, I think they were right about him thinking fit, he was victim, but now he's kind of looked back on it and said, yeah, I was, you know, it was me, not so much the, golfing gods you know at the you know, I, I've I at first I didn't feel that way but after watching it and then I you know I, we talked afterwards that night but then the more I thought about it I started to kind of get the feeling that they almost wanted him to say that it had you know in it, it, it had ruined his life not winning <laughs> yeah I agree like like one call <clears throat> it was in the beginning Greg Norman fell short of what he was capable of doing. Well, maybe he didn't measure up. I mean, maybe he didn't win as many tournaments as he should have. But other than one player in history, who has? I mean, who's made more money in golf? With well, I mean, even even Tiger could Tiger have won more? Was he capable of winning more than he has? Probably. I mean, has he ever been in a tournament he should have won and didn't? 
I mean, I would argue just about everyone he was ever in for about 10 years. He should have probably, yeah. I mean, the same with Jack Nicholas for that matter. I mean, okay, yeah, he he won more than anybody else, so yes, but I don't know. I just, it was just like they really, they wanted, I really felt like they wanted him to admit that he, yeah, that I, I fell apart and the only reason I didn't win was purely because of me. Yeah. And I mean that's part of it, but it wasn't all of it. Um, it certainly I didn't think it lived up to what I expect from that show. And usually these are four or five star shows, you know. And this was more like to me, it was more like in the two or three range because I, th- I think it. I think they could have touched. I mean, even in two thousand eight. Uh, when he was 53 years old and hadn't played in like, I guess three, three. He hadn't played a major in three years. He was in the final pairing at the British Open, and you know he just he had a bad round. I mean he had a bad round, and you know uh, Padraig Harrington had a really good round. He ended up winning it, but um, um, I'm like you. I think they. I think I think they just. It was already they they put more overkill on it than what it. Well, yeah, I mean, I was expecting, you know, okay, they t- they had Faldo on a tiny bit, yeah. and what I think they had Larry Mize on for like twelve seconds. Yeah. yeah. I was expecting, okay, you know, let's hear from some guys who he was crushing. Let's hear about some guys who were good at, in that time period that didn't win anything. I mean. They did forget to mention that, despite the fact that he finished second, what, three times or four or whatever the hell it was, uh, there was guys golfing in that time period that that didn't come anywhere near to winning it. So, yeah, should he have won? I don't think anybody's going to argue that he shouldn't have canned at least one of those. Yeah. But, what would you... I, I mean, I don't know. I guess it depends on how you look at it. Is one win... And three more forty uh, seventh place finishes. Is that better than being second three times? Well, I mean, I guess the point is. I mean, yes and no. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, okay, Zach Johnson won in oh seven. Trevor Trevor Immelman won in oh eight. Who, by the way, also bogeyed the uh, three times on the back nine and won. But. Uh, we don't really remember those guys. Who do we remember? And like Steve Elkington said, well, yeah, he uh, lost, you know, this way in this miracle shot, or he choked 96 Masters away. And uh, But who's the common denominator? Well, he is. Yeah, we, I mean, and if you had a, talk. again, if you had a choice between, well, I don't know, maybe not a choice, but... Um, like you said, I mean, who remembers Steve Elkington for anything? Yeah, yeah, I mean, besides the one major, yeah, yeah. I agree. I, I mean, okay, but if you're not a big golf fan... And you don't know that, right? You probably don't know that, but you probably do know that Greg Norman choked, or what they say choked. Although, looking at it, I think he really only choked once. Yeah, uh... The six shots is pretty tough to swallow. Yeah, that that mid, the, the, the eight, nine... 10 and 11, I'm sorry, 9, 10, 11, 12, where he was 5 over. That's really, 
Well, that, he, he bogeyed one, and he even commented and said, you know, that wasn't a big deal. Because he actually ended up birdieing thir- uh, two to get back up by five. And uh, Faldo even bogeyed one in there, too. So, I mean, it just Faldo birdied six and eight, and then that's when then he made that bad approach shot on nine. That's when things started to just – I think that's when he started thinking about it, that, that ninth – the ninth hole, and he even said it, the key shot was that one, and then that's when he started to, that's when he imploded. Now, he birdied 13-15, but so did Faldo, and then he hit the water on 16. Well, he clearly, it, it clearly became, like, when he, I think it was Faldo who mentioned his, that he was gripping his clubs. Yeah. yeah. And then when they showed some shots, and you could clearly see that he was mentally bothered. Like yeah. He was quite clearly not in the right mindset after he missed that shot. Well, you know, and after the Saturday, okay, he shot 71 on a bad scoring day for everybody, which was one under, which was great, you know, even, and something, too, is, and I always, I, we, I talked to you about this the other night, is Faldo, you know, he had to scramble for par to get in, being that final pairing for him, which I really think, Tim, I really always believe had it been anybody else in that final pairing with Norman, that he would have won. But Faldo being his rival and being one of those, I mean, they've gone head-to-head before. It just, he, I mean, had it been Mickelson, a young Mickelson in there, I think Norman said, well, I'm going to outshine this boy on Sunday or whatever. But the fact that you had a five-time major winner there already and somebody that's went back, you know, back and forth with him and played a match play tournament, you know, things like that. Yeah, and they couldn't uh, they couldn't be more different guys. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, with oil and oil and water. I mean, Faldo doesn't. Like they said you know doesn't change expressions, doesn't talk, doesn't. You know, you know, you're not going to see like we saw between McElroy and uh, Colin there the other, a couple weeks back where they hugged each other after they both had nice shots. Oh yeah. You know, Nick yeah. Faldo's not that. That's not happening. So uh, I mean, again. I thought it was nice of him to, after the 18th, say, hey, man, don't let these bastards get to you. And he, he of course, he was talking about the media, and he knew what he was going to, what Norman was going to face. And, again, at the same time, he was a competitor. He knew he wanted to, you know, he wanted to win or beat him or whatever. At the same time, he felt some sorrowful. Well, I mean, you can hate each other when you're playing. But once once the, the game is over then I don't mind when players stick up, particularly in that case, because, like, everybody knew it was coming. Yeah. You know, there's, be, no, uh, there's no way he, fe- he faces the press without the word choke and all the rest being used. And I say, I mean, some of it, some of it justified, but certainly not all of it. And if nothing else, uh, Greg Norman has got 400 million reasons to laugh at everybody else. Because he's certainly been... I mean, he was a success... Even with those three losses, he still was a pretty successful golfer. I mean, you know, he didn't win maybe as much as some other guys, but he, he was consistently pretty good for a long time. Certainly, 331 weeks as number one player. Yeah, That's cer- over six years. Yeah, certainly made made his bank and then made a whole... way more in the business world. Let me ask you this. Did you ever... I mean, when you were watching it, did at any time did you feel like when you were watching him watch himself implode? Did you feel uncomfortable but couldn't turn away? 
Well, particularly when he said he had never watched it before. And the, the one, yeah. the one he said he had never seen it before, and it was well. It's almost like okay, we we just told you you screwed up, and that you failed, and whatever word other words we want to use. Now let's watch your failure. And and yeah. act and act like it doesn't bother you to watch it. Right. I mean, it's just it's like they weren't wanting. I mean, like I said, I felt like it was overkill. Like, uh, and he said he'd never watched it, and like he said, there was no need to watch it. Well, so. said. I mean, I would have thought that like they would have at least balanced it. I mean, they did a tiny. Although Nicholas didn't really, you know, he he said something about him, you know, that his golf was, you know, that he helped him and things of that nature. But like they didn't like to what did Greg Norman not have any friends on the tour? That there wasn't somebody else there that could have come along and said, well, you know, here's a... And they never mentioned anything about, like, outside of golf. Like, but clearly this man is not a failure. Uh, you know? And yet you would think, like, if you didn't know anything about golf or the, or the sport of Greg Norman, you'd have watched that and went, well, geez, Greg Norman was in three tournaments. And he finished second, but he should have won them all, and he never did an anything else of consequence in his life, because that's basically how it came off. Yeah, I, I agree, and that's what I'm saying. How how's this guy had? How's he had short fall short of capable of what he was doing? I guess when it comes to golf, maybe. But I mean, besides Tiger Woods, no one's like made more money, or any golfers made more money than he has, and. You know, I, I think that I think the good the, they did a good job leading up to the '96 uh, Master. Like some, they showed some of the like the '86 uh, Masters when uh, Peter Costas again says he choked because he made a poor decision. Well, he's like you said the other night we talked off air. Greg Norman, he was he had made four birdies in a row row to. To catch Nicholas, who was who shot a thirty on the back nine and, and passed eight other guys, and he he birdied fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen. So you're Greg Norman in the fairway on eighteen after a nice drive. You're probably going to tell yourself, "I'm Greg Norman. I just birdied four in a row. Uh, I can I can do I can I'm going to go for the kill shot on eighteen here. Give me instead of giving me the straight five iron, and maybe if it, I don't." birdie this I can go into playoff I'm going to go for the whole the home run shot I'm going to fade this in and he fanned it into the gallery and he said that was a regretful shot looking back on it but as you said the other day he's not Greg Norman if he doesn't go for that yeah. I mean, he's a great aggressive player I mean I would say the only crime Greg Norman committed was that hair <laughs> Cause that hairdo, like he looked, he looked better as an older man than he Gosh, did. He's fit, isn't he? He's so yeah. Fit. I mean, he, he can play now. <laughs> he didn't look like. I mean, I mean, you could tell he was older, but he didn't look all that much older. And that, like that blonde white hair, didn't didn't do him any favors. I mean, give him the nickname, I guess. But I, was, I, I, did, I mean, I, that, to me, that's what to me that's what made him him. That's what. Made him stick out, and I, and I thought he was well, always cool. I thought he was cool, yeah. Yeah, and that. But and he, I, he he endorsed himself, like you know, he promoted himself. During he even mentioned that corporate sponsors. I mean, I think he took golf into the next level, and then of course Tiger took it even to a higher level. 
you know, whenever he came in. I mean, he was he transitioned. Well, he might be. I might not be totally right on this because I, to be honest, I mean, I watched golf, but I was never like. Well, I didn't live in a place where you could see it a lot. We would see the majors, and that was about it up here back in the day. But I, I have to think that if he wasn't the first one, he was one of the first that brought some personality to golf. Like Jack Nicholas was a great golfer, but he was a pretty straightforward, you know, not exactly a, a, a lively personality, really. Uh, ben Hogan, not really known for his... You know, I, 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 he just Greg Greg Norman won, and he was a little bit more outgoing. Well, they uh, showed him on the helicopter coming in, shooting a sixty-five, and or driving a Ferrari. Or yeah, I, yeah, like I mean, it was like he was. Uh, I almost want to say like he was one of the first, one of the few guys at the begin back in the eighties, at least anyway, who looked like he might actually be having fun playing golf. Yeah, and that's what I think. That's what made it fun. That's like just watched him this looks fun like he's making this i mean you know, like makes fa- me want to go golf yeah like faldo, faldo for instance looks like somebody just told him he was going to have to have open heart surgery <laughs> you know he's got that look on his face of like you know even when he did good he didn't you know he's pretty much expressionless now mind you that was part of his you know, demeanor but like I got nothing. Okay, you know, all right. Golf is a rather subdued, or supposed to be the you know the gentleman's game, and all of this. But I like it when, like, I remember as maybe I don't even know how many years ago it was, where there was all that kerfluffle at the Ryder Cup because the American guys were cheering and all that kind of nonsense. And it's just like you know what, golf needs a little bit more. A little more happy Gilmore wouldn't hurt anybody. Right, right. Yeah, and I think the Ryder Cups enjoyable because of that but i mean okay let's you know he okay so after he he lost at shinnecock uh, in 86 he he led, he led all four majors in 1986 after the third round which they called a infamous the saturday, slam. Call it the saturday slam or some people called the norman which is slam, what but, uh, which is also it's also known as the bush slam that's uh, <laughs> six six tacos four burritos three maxi fries on in one day that's the bush line. not necessarily saturday either it could be any day anyway. could be any day of the week slam <laughs> uh so he, he loses a u.s open then he wins the british open but here we are again 86 pga uh he loses to a bunker shot on uh, to bob Tway. uh and he and they brought up yeah he shot a 40 on the back nine but you know Stuff happens, okay. I mean, every now, I mean, if the guy doesn't hit the bunker shot, they might go in a playoff or whatever. Okay, so Tim, 1987 Masters. We talked to him and Larry Mize, or or uh, they're in a three-way playoff. Ballesteros gets put out on the first playoff hole. Well, then two's in the fairway uh, on par four, eleventh, the first hole of Amen Corner. Uh, Norman outdrives Mize. So Miles shoots his approach and hits a wayward shot. I mean, 135 feet from the hole. So you're Greg Norman. What do you do? Do you do what he did? And usually, like the year before, he went for he went for the hole. But this time, he starts to think, well, 
I'm going to be conservative about this. My opponent over here has hit it way off the green. <laughs> and then one of the hardest holes, if he hits it past it, it's probably going to go in the water because the slope to go towards Ray's, Ray's Creek. What do you do? Well, I told you, if, if you show me those two shots and you ask me where I'd like to put my $100 bet on Greg Norman's layup shot just short of the green or uh, Mize's shot out in the, practically in the bush, or in the heavy rough anyway, I guess he's not in the trees, but he's in the heavy rough anyway, and quite a distance from the hole. I mean, I'm putting my money on Greg Norman every time. Hell, after watching it, if you if you showed it to me the next day, I'd still put my money on Greg Norman at least tying that hole. Well, you know, and, and if that if that ball doesn't hit the hole or the flag stick, there's a good chance it goes in the water. That it, that it rolls all the way down and the thing is over without him having to even finish. Right. So, I, you know, that was... Again, it's... I mean, I, I, I mean, and we're also, you know, the other thing they didn't mention and they should have is that all of this is also with the benefit of, you know, what, 30 years of hindsight? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I would like to go back and hear what people said when it actually happened. Like that day, what the telecasts were like, because I don't remember watching it live. I may have, but I don't recall it. Um, if, if everybody was as critical of the shot selection and of that sort of thing then as they are now. Because, of course, it's be, it has become part of golf lore to, to dump on, you know, Greg Norman is the guy who, you know, choke artist. Yeah. And, again, I mean, some of that is justified, but you should probably also throw in there all those wins. <laughs> yeah. And all, and all that money, because, uh, you know, it's, he, he didn't do a... And I don't, I don't want to throw John Daly under the bus either. But okay, that's that's kind of how they painted out Greg Norman that you know he won he won something once and then he failed to ever win anything again. And that's yeah, not, and, that's not really another true. personality. That's a good point you brought up, Daly. Um, uh, another personality kind of brought you know kind of in the eighties, early nineties, pre-Tiger kind of kept got some fans involved and um, you know. And some of his highlights, I mean, the 93 British Open at Royal St. George, okay, he's playing behind Faldo, and Faldo had shot a 63 earlier in the tournament. I think it was on a Thursday or Friday. Well, uh, he beat Faldo in his backyard. He's from U.K., and um, he shot a 64, and people call it, some people, Bernhard Longer played with him, and, he shot a 67 that day. He said he played some, that's some of the finest golf I've ever seen in my life. And, uh, I mean, he won. I mean, he got fouled out on that one. Uh, he beat him by a couple of strokes, and fouled out shot a 67. But, I mean, if people go back and watch that, that round, he, I think he only made one mistake the whole – I think he missed a short putt. But other than that, it was – I mean, for a final day, that was uh, – 64 is unbelievable at the British Open. Well, I know is there's a lot of people, and I would have been one of them who, okay, does I mean, all right, we are a, a we are a society that values number one over anything else. It's just that is the how it is. But I know at the end of the year there was a lot of guys who looked at those numbers and went, boy, what I wouldn't give to have Greg Norman's numbers at the end of the PGA season. Oh yeah, you yeah. Know, 
and yet we remember his failures or his losses more so than, like, for instance, the 1994 Players' Championship, he shot 63 and then 367s to back it up and still, still to this day, has the record there. And yet, you know, we remember the Masters letdowns and the... uh, (laughs) We are a negative bunch of individuals. It is what we tend to focus on. If you're a winner, we'll remember, and if you don't win if you and you're a loser, or what we call you know, second. You know, in the Olympics, three seconds in the would if you did you know, if you got a silver medal in an event three Olympics in a row, you'd be heralded as a hero. Yeah. You know, what staying power, what amazing ability to be right at the top of his sport or her sport. And yet for him it was like, yeah, that guy finished second again. I mean, well, can I you mean, believe this garbage? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's a. Uh, it made me think of uh, a couple guys. Uh, Elway was real close as a quarterback. I mean, won lost three Super Bowls, and finally won there in the late nineties. Won actually back to back. Dale Earnhardt had a seven. You know, probably the greatest driver in you know NASCAR history, and won seven championship during the like when. Uh, there was a host of different drivers that could win, a lot more winners. more so. I guess there was more competition, I should say, than there was maybe when Richard Petty drove. You might have four or five guys that might be able to win a race. When Earnhardt drove, you know, he had about you know, 10 to 15. But anyways, I mean, it took – he had such bad luck in the Daytona 500. It kind of – whether it was having a flat tire on leading on the last lap or running out of gas or just getting passed by, you know, something that made me think of those guys – watched Norman, which fortunately for them, they won, you know, their biggest, I guess, their Super Bowl of their sport. Okay, so what what happens, here's a hypothetical. How do we talk about him if he wins the first one? Well, they don't make a 30 for 30 on him, probably. Okay, but how do we talk about him, though, if he wins the first one, but then the rest of what happens, happens? Is he still a choke artist, or is he great because he won it once and finished second twice? Well, that's maybe that's what maybe that's what he was saying at the end. And I mean, I know you're asking me how I feel about, it, but on uh, when he was said it wouldn't have, it would be nice to have a trophy case, but it probably wouldn't have changed anything, or I, I wouldn't have changed my life. Any, I mean, it would would wow. he be would he make eight hundred million dollars? I mean, let's be honest. Or? If the worst thing that ever happened in my life was that. On three occasions, I finished second at something instead of first. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good run, and I don't think you know the rest of Greg Norman's life has been pretty solid. I think is certainly in the business world and financially and all of that. Had a had a hot wife, bang Chris Everett for a while, and and has another and has another hot wife, from my understanding, even as an older dude. So I don't think he's. I don't think he regrets a whole lot, but okay, even or, or even more, okay, is the is the six shot choke. Let's say he wins the first two, mm-hmm. and then the choke comes. Does anybody call it a choke, or does it does it get a, does it get an entire different uh, different look? Because well, oh, he won it twice, so he couldn't have choked because the pressure wouldn't have got to him because well, you know, that, that's just it too. I think if he would have won in '86 or or 87, or even both. He probably doesn't I I, get I pressure. I don't know if that happens. I don't no, know he I, probably I, doesn't. I'd say he probably wins three if he wins the first two. 
Yeah, I, 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 I will agree with Shambly and I mean, I, he may have had a mental. I don't think it was most the the decision making more so than maybe his emotional state. One of them said well. that he was either his his. I don't think there was flaws. I think he was just maybe. I mean, it is. I mean, it, golf's hard. Okay. It's, well, it's yeah. I mean, they did say you know, golf is hard. Even doesn't matter what's going on. And, I, I mean, I don't care how good you are mentally. If you're on the same golf course where you've not managed to win twice before, yeah. regardless of the reasons, it has got to get in your head a little bit, especially when you make a bad shot. Or not even a bad shot, but you... Well, I guess he did. Yeah, I mean, that shot wasn't very good. You make a bad shot when you shouldn't have. It has to be in your mind. There's no way. And the I fact that he, the fact that he didn't totally fall apart, to me, is actually in retrospect is more amazing, because he he would have. I'm surprised that he didn't finish ten shots behind. Right, right, right. Uh, he, I think, I think like the media kind of. I think I think he let the media get to him more so than when he. Sh- and Nicholas was right about some stuff. He should have just ignored a lot of that stuff, a lot of that. Now, I know you have to go into those. There, there's, I think that's part of it. They have to go to the media sessions and all that thing and have to hear that. I think some of those guys were kind of jealous of him or didn't like maybe his what, his lifestyle and what he was Well, on the surface, he, he appeared to not really try very hard, right? Right. And yet was still extremely successful. So there's, I mean, winning brings about jealousy, immediately regardless of what kind of a person you are so i'm sure there was some guys who in the press that were probably especially some of the older dudes you know he doesn't uh he didn't really practice much and he doesn't act like he you know like he really should and yeah uh, you know blah 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 and so they didn't like him and they brought up the snake failure you state which you know a guy hits i mean in a tournament besides a major they uh robert game is uh Holds out it for Eagle to beat him by one shot. Another guy hits uh, in New Orleans hits a bucker shot to uh, Frost hits a bucker shot to beat him. I mean, yeah, I mean, and you know, I think he yeah. even chipped in to win one. We could have given RG a, a lifetime supply of golf balls. He'd still be on that hole in that spot trying to hold that shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because that one. Uh, let's be honest. That one was beyond, you know, it's one thing to get to, to, to pin one from the bunker or whatever. I mean, it happens. But, I mean, he's not even a, or wasn't even that great a player, to be honest. In the, I mean, anybody on the PGA is a great player. Let's qualify that. But as far as, like, nobody was expecting that guy to win anything. And then to make that shot, it's not like if, you know, I don't know if you're if you're on the on the 18th hole and Tiger Woods does that from somewhere when he was in his prime, you're not that surprised, right? Yeah. Whereas if some you know if it's uh, I don't know you know Chris Kidd on the 18th in the pro am, <laughs> <laughs> you know you're probably probably going now what. <laughs> If you're if you're Greg Norman after the third round of the '96 Masters, I think you might play it differently. I I think you go to the media and get just get away from people, and 
because the UK reporter Peter DeBrier, I think was his name, he said, "Not even you can f this up." I mean, when he yeah. was going out to his car, yeah. and even you can. Norman said that was the first time he started to think, "Oh gosh, you know." Can I? <laughs> I mean, and, and you know, it's 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 a shame that it got to that point, uh, and then you, like some of his some of his losses were unlucky. And some of them were his doing, and I think it was a combination of both. As uh, uh, and two, I mean, any other, any other, t- I mean, even at the British Open, probably, it's like okay, well, the weather's bad, the course is notoriously evil. Not that Augusta isn't, but you know, you probably get more of a pass. But it, it, it's you know, or if he does once at the British Open and once at the somewhere else, and but he did it, you know, at the same course. In the same tournament, like it's hard to, for people to, the casual fan remembers that stuff. How do you feel about Faldo saying uh, you actually he he came back and played around? I mean, well, in that that's just it. And then, like again, after the thirteenth hole in the ninety nine Masters, he had five holes left. He was tied with Jose Maria Fable. I mean, he, this. This was three years after the '96 Masters. I mean, they didn't. I was kind of disappointed they showed that. Didn't show at least bring that up. I figured it, it said more about Faldo than because it was like, okay, I couldn't do this. Like I, I wouldn't if I had have been in the, his shoes. I, I wouldn't have gone back there, which I think says more about Faldo than it does about Greg Norman. Yeah. Yeah, and as Greg Norman said, motherfucker, man, it's Augusta. They're gonna let me go out there and golf by myself. Of course, I'm going. Yeah. Well, he even brought up some some of the shots that he said I would have took this shot. Oh yeah, I'd have taken this on Sunday. I thought all in all, for a guy who could be extremely bitter about it, I mean, you could tell that. I mean, he he said the right things. I thought on occasion where I think it would have been nice if he would have said, "Yeah, it really." Unless it isn't true, because I would think if it was me. I mean, I'm not Greg Norman, but. It would have bothered me, and by the third one, I would have probably said, "Well, you know, I, I talked myself right into this. You know, I golfed good on for three days, like I always did, and then I, the pressure got to me, and I bungled it. But I, I don't really see that that's a big deal. You still, you still were better than how many other guys? Yeah. And at least two of the three times, miracle shots is what finished you, despite yeah. the fact that you didn't play that well on the last day so I, I don't know I thought it could have been a little bit more balanced um, yeah I mean he 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 did handle that well uh, and, we, and when we share something with you know when I was you know you're young I don't know if you were like this but I guess I don't remember being young I had a problem with just being upset after I got beat or, or I mean one of my favorite teams or players got beat and I started to think, you know, and I watched him and his press, you know, and them talk to him after it was over. And ESPN, I mean, Keith, oh, that night, that Sunday night, Keith Olbermann was hard on him. Okay. He was saying, he was saying stuff like, like he choked, like, Augusta. Keith Olbermann I mean, is an idiot. And I was like, you know, I, I don't think I ever cried. I mean, I, I mean, I was upset maybe, but I was never cried over another. Sporting event, or like any 
you know, maybe except for a funeral after I watched Norman, how he handled that. I was like, man, how does he get to facing uh, people and their questions? How does he not want to, you know, in a rage oh, or want to tear it, somebody's yeah, head off? Yeah, like, it's utterly, it's getting. utterly amazing that more reporters haven't been popped in the in the teeth. Oh yeah, it's yeah, some of the yeah, I agree. It's just not with him. It's been with you know, it's been with other people like asking questions, and you could say he was getting. I mean, he won a major in '86, and then he had to ask about, had to answer about the guy holding out a bunker. Do you feel like you choke? Well, this guy hit the bunker shot. Yeah, did you see that shot? <laughs> did another one happen in the whole tournament that was that good? Probably not. Maybe, but probably not. Certainly not in the last round. So, what, what, what do you think? I don't know. I mean, I guess there's always you know six of one, half dozen of the other. Reporters get paid to ask tough questions but i think sometimes it's i'm i'm a big advocate of um okay you what the game is over or the round is over or whatever the press doesn't get to slap a you know let's give these guys a few minutes to get the real heat out of losing before we start asking especially because they all ask him the same dumb questions like how many times do you think greg norman has heard you know in the last 35 years or whatever it's been well you know, think if you if you'd have won that would you think that would have changed your life any wait so let me ask you do you think you okay when he said where you're at now would you have traded anything for a green jacket they asked him what do you do you think he lied uh, i don't think so but then again greg norman has also had a very successful life yeah, that might be a different story if you know uh, that happens and he never wins another golf tournament again, and he retires from golf and it's been twenty years since he's done anything of any worth talking about in any facet of his life. He may have had a different response to that. I would think by now, if he hasn't come to terms with it by now. I mean, he's got he's got two claret jugs to look at. I mean, it's not like he doesn't have other accomplishments to hang his hat on, even in golf. I mean, he he's the only player to lose a, a playoff in a major, all four majors. He lost in '84. I mean, it hurts, but again, uh, I just don't. I mean, I guess it depends on. On what, how you want to define your life? Is it purely, you know, is, is the only thing that defines Greg Norman is his golf and nothing else? Well, then it's a bit of a bummer, probably. Well, there was a story. I'm glad you brought that up a, a few years ago on TV. That uh, I think his boat kind of got uh, something happened to it, and they had to kind of the Coast Guard. And they said, well, whose boat is it? They had to go out to get wherever he was or help him or something. And he, he said, it's uh, Greg Norman. And uh, they said, uh, and that guy said, oh, oh, the wine guy, Greg Norman. <laughs> well, and uh, that guy replied to, no, Greg Norman, the golfer. He said, Greg Norman. He said, the only Greg Norman I know is the guy that's in winery business. And it was the same guy. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't say, "Oh, that's that guy that choked the the Masters in '86." Yeah. You know, he didn't say, right. that. "Yeah, you know, he didn't say that." So, uh, I, you know, I don't doubt in the moment 
And for the first, you know, for a couple months afterwards, it probably stung and it probably did bother him. I think he, if he's a human. Well, he uh, said he went on the beach and cried. And, yeah, uh, I mean, I'm sure it bothered him, but he did both, have... I think 87 and 96. Yeah, I mean, he had other things going on. And again, I mean, I mean, everybody has failed at do you what... Think he was, do you think he was his... All right, they take Nick Faldo, they traded number one ranking there in the 90s quite a bit. And, of course, they had their battles with each other in British Open, of course, the Masters, even in, even in, they didn't even bring up 89 when he reeled off like five birdies on the back nine, but he bogeyed 18. I mean, that was another time uh, that he kind of went for the, should have went, uh, club clubbed up on one, and he, and he didn't, and to get in the playoff with actually Faldo. Uh, but, um, so, do you, uh, do you, Faldo was his rival, but do you think his biggest rival might have been himself um well is i would argue that it almost always is okay yeah you know it is it, it once you are once you uh, hit some level of of uh, greatness or achievement or whatever words we want to use uh, i mean let's be honest, i mean he clearly Skills-wise, it isn't like he got old or was hurt or something like that. I mean, he, I would have to, I would argue that it, his, the mental was what got him. Whether it was pressure or poor shot selection or even just the, the go for it attitude. And then didn't go for it even. We might even argue that, that if he should have just played balls to the wall like he always did. That yeah. might that might have served him better. We don't, I mean, we'll never know. Well, the fact that he says that he regrets not he thinks about it or did or did think about it for a while, like the eighty seven. Right. Whenever five miles so, goes, maybe he does. Uh, that maybe he's maybe he would have traded something for a green jacket at yeah. one time, but maybe he looks on it now. Maybe you know it's not that big of a deal to him now. I mean, a lot of other, a lot of guys start to believe their own press when they get to those heights. Uh, I mean, we've got the LeBrons of the world and guys like that who are great, you know, are great, but how much more greatness would they have had if they would have just shut up? Yeah. You know, or, okay, I mean, we could argue, you know, Pete Rose sunk himself. Maybe not in his playing career, but his where he's at. Well, yeah, that well, he was probably his own. Yeah, where he's at he now. Wrote, he was his own. He's worst his own enemy. worst enemy. Mike Tyson yeah. might be another one, where it wasn't because he couldn't box anymore. He just lost it in other areas, and it was his fault that he lost it. You know, he wasn't didn't have it together and started to believe his own press and spent money. I mean, how many football players and. And basketball players. I mean, the list is endless of Ray guys. Rice. Yeah, of guys who who made millions and millions and millions of dollars, and then five years after they quit or retire, you read that they're bankrupt and you know committing crimes and all kind all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, even uh, okay, uh, even I would argue even Tagger. You know, okay, he obviously. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying he did it on purpose or anything. But he obviously had some demons somewhere along the line with his infidelities, and and then that that caused him 
I mean, how can you not think about that when you're out on the course? I mean, you have right. to at some point. I mean, and even just the injuries. You know, then he started taking a lot of painkillers, and I don't know, there's still talk that that's had something to do with him cracking his car up and that he fell asleep and all, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So whether it's on purpose or not, I won't say, but, I mean, still that's self-inflicted stuff, right? Right. Oh, yeah. That you could maybe avoid, although, you know, flip side of that is it's pretty hard to be normal when you're a superstar. Yeah. People, no, I mean, the media and press forget that you're a... Just a guy, uh, just like everybody you're, else. You're, you're a person, but I think the problem with them is that they might feel like you're overpaid, and that it gives them a justifies them being able to ask you just whatever. You know, well, a lot of a, a lot of people figure because that you because you make your living in in the public eye, that the rest of your life should be in the public eye too. Right. And there was a time when the press kind of respected most of that unless it was really egregious you know i mean if you you know committed a crime or something okay they were going to report on that but there was i mean it was kind of like with presidents you know there was a time when the president what he was doing in his personal life just it just didn't get out you know they just didn't report on that stuff and now you know if, if, a, if a reporter saw you know joe biden with another you know holding hands with another woman let's say although that's he may do that because he doesn't know his own wife, but um, <laughs> that would be front page news immediately. Meanwhile, guys like, uh, who was it? Um, uh, Roosevelt was, you know, used to travel to another place to sleep with his mistress. Yeah. And the, all the press knew, but they just, you know, we just, well, that's just not, we just don't talk about that. Talk about that. Now it's, now it's that's become the personal life is almost more news than the whatever it is they yeah and then then whatever they do for a living but um, but all in all I mean it was all right but I I would have to say I I left uh, I left with a better appreciation for Greg Norman than I had before I watched it Mm -hmm. but the overall show I I thought was a little empty yeah uh it was like, for me, it was just, I knew all this already. Uh, you're dragging him, dragging him through the dirt once again, uh, pretty much. In, uh, in, in some eyes, they tried to, like, well, he's a sympathetic figure or whatever because of this. But to say, you know, hey, uh, he was human, the back nine, at some, some of these tournaments, you know, had he... Had he won early, he probably would have won a lot more often. He might have, I don't think he would have got the Nicholas's 18, but he might have got, you know, at least one ten of them. Yeah, and he should have got a couple more anyway, but. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, he should have. Such is life, and, you know. Again, again, would you rather have him talking about you because you finished second three times or because you never made the cut three times? Well, you know, you're right. I mean, the fact that they're talking about him and making a. 30 for 30 on it says something about what his legacy and and uh, I I don't think Greg Norman I I, I would think Greg Norman doesn't lose a whole lot of sleep anymore no I mean he looked like he was at peace with himself when he had he uh, got remarried and he's you know 
like you got all these business ventures. Something they didn't bring up, and I'm glad they didn't. It has a business there, and there's actually in the news yesterday they were talking about why they didn't bring it up, and it has nothing to do with uh, it has nothing to do with what happened during that time period. Is how he's helping the Saudis get their like little. Yeah, uh, I don't. I mean, I don't care. Well, yeah, yeah, I, mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand why they would even why some of the ESPN press and would even consider, or even <sighs> other people in the press, why would they? Why would that was important? Why would that be important to bring up? You know, now uh, it but, isn't. But ESPN is kind of known for that these days. <laughs> they're they're nowhere near the quality they once were, in my opinion. But. Well, anyway, uh, so Greg Norman, 30 on 30. I mean, watch it, especially if you like Greg Norman or you like golf, probably check it out. But if not... Yeah, it's, it's, it's worth just to see it. Just be, yeah. I mean, if not, yeah, I mean, if you're I, a casual, know, you might not, right. you probably won't enjoy it that much. Yeah, yeah, I know, like the, I said, that you had to relive it, but uh, they brought up, I mean, some stuff. I mean, they, I'm both, they would show both hands, you know, like, of oh, this happened or... You know, you know. One time, I think Costa said something, and Elkington said something. Well, we're still talking about him, though. You know, who else is there? All these times. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not going to say. I'm like you. I'm not going to say it was poorly done, but because most of your thirty for thirties have been really good, but I, I felt like it could have been a little bit better. Could have been better. Yeah. That, that's yeah. My, that's how I walked. Well, so that's enough on the golf. Um, the great white shark. The great Thank white you. shark. Thank you, shark. Let's uh, stop for a quick break, and we'll come right back with some basketball news right after the break. All right, we're back, and uh, so the NBA playoffs in full swing. Uh, some interesting storylines, as usual. Uh, we got some injury problems. Uh, we got uh, well. First, let's let's start with Kyrie Irving not being able to take the heat in Boston and shooting the finger at all the fans. Um, is there is there a crazier guy in the NBA than this guy? Well, well uh, I, I mean, Dennis Rodman no longer plays, so I guess. Yeah, Rodman was. You're, you're right. Rodman was kind of in a league of his own. Um, uh, but as I at least thought Rodman was interesting, and and so I actually like Rodman there, and I like Kyrie. Uh, but well, the worst part is, you know, Kyrie's talking. Shit talking, which I mean, okay, but I mean, they the, the Celtics came back with a vicious fourth quarter the other night, and uh, Kyrie had a whole ten points in that game. Uh, that's not really, I don't know if that bodes well for the Celtics or not, because obviously the the Nets can play better than they have been, or whether that's just uh, great Celtics defense, who I believe. Um, didn't they have a uh, defensive player of the year this year? Mm. I, I, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember who it was though. Uh, was it Mar- uh, Marcus? Was it was it Marcus Smart or um, whoever it is? They've been locking Durant 
up, I guess you could say. He, he had shot well from the field. I mean, he, sh- he shot 20-some free throws, and, you know, but... Well, he was, I mean, he had uh, 27 points, but 18 of those 27 were from the charity stripe. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, don't know. You know, the, Kevin Durant should be part of a physics and biology class for how a guy can have, uh, I mean, he's not the biggest guy upper body, but he's really tall, and yet he has the legs of an 11-year-old girl. They're so skinny, like he, from the knee to his ankles, it, there's no difference. Like that guy doesn't have calves. How does he stand up? I'm mystified by it. My wife was just laughing. I said, check out the number seven there for the Nets. And she goes, what? What? <laughs> she says, he is so skinny. I said, yeah, it's a wonder he doesn't get abused more in the game, but I guess he's good enough that he gets away with it. But yeah. um, Full marks to the Celtics. I don't like the Nets, so I'm, I'm okay with them. Uh, the only thing that would make that better is if James Harden was still there because he's another guy that I don't, don't like. He actually fouled out of the game yesterday. August Toronto. Against yeah, they didn't have a very good game. I think they had twenty some turnovers, and they yet they still found a way to win. Well, they had a. They didn't play very. The first half was, uh, well, the first quarter particularly, where they weren't very good. And um, I mean, they held Embiid, I believe, to five points in the first half, and then it all went south. And you know, Nick Nurse was complaining about he flops and he he gets away with too much. Blah, 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 which may be true, may not be, don't know, because I've given up trying to figure out what a foul is in the NBA these days. I don't know anymore. But uh, when Joel, when you lose in in, in overtime because Joel Embiid hits a three-pointer, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, should that, should that ever happen? Well, I mean, he's... I mean, what was he from the... He was three for eight, so, I mean, he had hit two. Yeah, I mean, a 37, I mean, for him, it's probably 30, anything over 30% is probably pretty good. I don't know what he was for the year, but he's been known to step back and hit that. But, um, uh, I mean, apparently they didn't take, uh, they didn't take advantage of the turnovers that Philly committed. Well, there was, uh, I did see, I, I didn't watch the overtime because I gave up. I did watch it until it went to overtime. But on that last, uh, on the last play, that was an inbound play. And there was a vicious, not a pick, but the guy, I don't even know who it was from Philadelphia. He did reach out and literally grab the Toronto guy so he couldn't go with him when he curled around to shoot the three. He, he couldn't get there, but he got a lot of help. But I read a lot of conflicting, you know, depending on whether you were a Sixers fan or a Raptors fan. Uh, a lot of, well, you know, it was, it's a cheesy foul. And I'm like, well, it might be cheesy, but when it results in the winning shot, is it that, how cheesy is it anymore? You know, you can't call that in overtime. And I, I'm like, well... I don't know if basketball follows the same rules that hockey does, but usually in 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 overtime in a hockey game, you practically have to murder somebody before there's going to be a penalty. But everybody knows that, and it's always the same. 
so everybody's okay with it. But yeah, I don't know. In basketball, are they? Do they tighten up with fouls in overtime or not? Uh, it's hard to say for me. I haven't seen enough overtimes in the playoffs yeah. to know whether yeah. that's. Yeah, usually they. Yeah, usually that's the case. I mean, you say a foul should be in the first quarter and the fourth quarter, but let's be serious, it's not. No, but I can at least agree with the sentiment. In in regular time, there should be no difference between, you know, short of maybe the last two minutes of a game, if it's close. Otherwise, a foul should be a foul. Yeah, I I know it isn't, but it should be. But I I don't I don't know. Again, if you're if you're uh, if you're letting it go because you got fouled on the last play of a game, that probably tells me you had plenty of chances to. You probably should have finished it before it got to that point. So, I don't know if you got a whole lot to complain about if you're Toronto. But I, Toronto's done. The Sixers are up three nothing, and that that series is over. Yeah, yeah Tor- Toronto sure. might win the next game, but they're not winning the series. Yeah. Yeah, they might get a gentleman sweep. Yeah, that's possible. But um, and what we got? Uh, what else happened? Well, um, Chicago tied up one. You said mentioned Chris Middleton's out with an MCL sprain, so that could. That's going to be well. That's going to affect that series. There's no way it won't. Um, the Heat are up, I believe, what two to nothing against. Uh, or, or is it three? Two. I think the Heat are up two, two uh, nothing. Yeah. The Bucks and the Bulls are tied at one. Boston is up on the Nets two. Seventy Sixers are up on Toronto by three. And tonight, uh, Memphis and Minnesota are playing. Minnesota is now up by twenty, Ooh. with five Good. minutes left in the third. Go Nathan. Yeah, Nate's uh, Nate. Uh, Stopped long enough to wipe some hot sauce off his chin and saw the score and decided to do something about it. Uh, the Jazz and the Mavericks are playing. That series is tied at one. Uh, and Doncic is still going to be. Is he going to be out? For he is. Game? He is out for tonight anyway. Okay. And uh, Golden State is up two games on Denver, and I did read that Golden State is going to up Steph Curry's minutes, so that doesn't bode too well for Denver. Um, they and can't. the Suns, the Suns are tied and, one. Yeah, and they are they're looking at some trouble because Devin Booker is got a what are they calling that um, a grade A uh, sprain, I believe they're calling it grade grade one hamstring strain, which they claim at least on ESPN is usually fourteen to twenty one days. So even if they really put him through the ringer and he gets out in 10, that might get him back for a game seven, maybe, depending on how the schedule is is going forward. But that doesn't bode well for the Phoenix Suns. They're going to have to figure out a way to win without him anyway. And they didn't look very good in uh, game two. So, I mean, full full marks to uh, to the Pelicans, but... Didn't think anybody saw that coming. Uh, it's it's one one now. Yep, one one, and he's probably going to miss at least two or three games at least. So they got to figure out a way to either uh, win without him or at least get enough that they can hang in there until he comes back. 
but uh, uh, admittedly, I haven't watched that much of the basketball. Bits and pieces here and there, but I, I, I just can't bring myself to watch a whole game. I watched yeah. quite a bit of the Toronto game, but uh, yeah, I just—I don't know. It just—it—it it is not the same sport to me that it once was. And I guess because I'm getting older, I just—I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered to adapt. <laughs> if I was a—if I was in nature, I would have died. Uh. So, is there any more injuries besides? Uh, not that I saw of any consequence. Um, there was some other... What else? I saw something else I wanted to talk about in basketball. Now I can't remember what it was. So it couldn't have been all that important. Well, no, uh, from college basketball, Jay Wright of Villanova decided to... Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. And that, um, that was kind of interesting to me. Two uh, championships since uh, 16 and four Final Four ver- berths. So, uh, no uh, no word about him going somewhere because he's not that old. Well, that's just it. I mean, he coached them for 21 years. So I mean, you just wonder how I mean, old. I mean, I mean, he's only 60, and for basketball coaches, that ain't old. Uh, yeah, that's true. Maybe he just wants to enjoy himself. I don't. I think he's going to stick with the Villanova family and uh, help out with them or whatever. Tell somebody tell somebody we have some money in front of him. Yeah, that's possible too. Uh, I mean, it, uh, if he doesn't come back, he's been you know a really good leader and took uh, Villanova wasn't, I mean, I know they won back in the 80s, but they were after that they weren't really, uh, you know, uh, a big time school. Well, I mean, he's been he's been in Villanova since two thousand and one. Um, they were in the NIT for the first three years he was there. Then after that, they've been in the they've been in the tournament every year, except for the year where they where they oh, they missed one in twenty eleven they missed, and then of course nobody was in in 2020 because of the COVID. But I mean, he's had a you know Final Four, Sweet Sixteen. 32, won it, 32, won it, 32, 30. I mean, they've almost always gotten out of the first round. Um, first year they were in, they went to the Sweet 16. Next year they went to the 8. Uh, I mean, he's had a pretty good, say what you want. I mean, I'm not a, the biggest Villanova fan, but uh, pretty successful. I mean, he's got a 725 winning percentage, 520 wins there. So can't uh, can't really argue with uh, with that. Um, I suspect they'll they'll bring in. I don't know if there's been any mention on who's going to take his place, if it's somebody who's already there in the assistant coaching ranks, probably. But I I suspect that they'll bring in somebody else, and if they don't do really good, <laughs> he'll be back. Well, they, he might bring in his assistant. From, right. He went to Fordham. Okay, and, but uh, he must have some. I mean, he must have the belief in him where he was. I mean, well, they probably want somebody in their own family. What, what what more can I mean? At some point, you know, okay, even like guys like uh, like he's been there for a long time, but he's not in the realm of uh, you know Dean Smith or Shashevsky. 
or a couple other guys that I can think of. Like, he's not a name that pops up, to be honest, in like, holy cow, this is the coach of coaches. But at some point after, I mean, he's been there for what, you know, 20 some years, 20 plus years. You might want a different challenge, perhaps. Yeah. You know, or you're just, or maybe it just isn't very, you know, getting excited. But I mean, it's like for the, us regular people. You know, if you went to work every day at the same place for 20 some years, you, and you could quit, you probably do. I mean, most of us, if you, if you if you gave us enough money that we could cut loose, we'd be gone, right? Right. Or if somebody told you, well, you know, whatever it is you do for a living, uh, we'd like you to come over here and do it, and we'd like to pay you ten times what you've been getting over there. You'd be like, yeah, all right. No, 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 I, I don't want to do the, the my career uh, for you guys for more money. No, I don't want to do that. I mean, it's basically the same thing wherever. Yeah, you might want to go to a different part of the country. Uh, let's be honest, uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I don't know. Not really that great, is it? No offense to anybody from Pennsylvania. <laughs> well, and, and, and I mean that relative to, I mean, if you could be coaching in Florida or somewhere on the West Coast. Or a real, I mean, I don't think of Villain, I mean, no, again, no offense to Villanova, but when I think of basketball powerhouses, I don't think of Villanova. Let's just see it. I think he's done a good job. Uh, since 16, they've, you know, they've been, like I said, they won two championships and been to, uh, been to Final Four three three times at 16, and I think he had one more there. But, uh, you know, like I said, they're not a powerhouse, but he's built, built rebuilt them up. Well, they, they are a powerhouse. I just don't. You just don't think of them as being the traditional powerhouse because it's right. all it's all been in the last twenty years. Yeah. So, kudos to him. And uh, you know, if he does, this is it for him. Uh, and you know, you've had a Hall of Fame career, uh, won two championships at a school that normally doesn't. I mean, and he uh, is a he is a Pennsylvania boy, so there is that. I mean, he is from there, so that yeah. does count for something. I really don't see. I mean, I mean, never say never, but I really don't see him. I think this is it. I think he's going to help them. You know, well, I have it on good authority from Earl. He will be. He will move to Pitt and turn Pitt into a national champion. <laughs> well, I'm sure Pitt would welcome that, but I don't. I don't think uh, him, Shashevsky, Dean Smith, and twenty other guys could turn Pitt into a national champion in basketball. That <laughs> uh, would take some doing. Football, possibly. And I don't even know about that anymore, either. They haven't been very good at football for a while, either. But um, Yeah, no, no it's, it's, it's refreshing to see a guy not kind of pushed out the door. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, so yeah, old. You know, or, yeah. Well, they're so old that, you know, okay, this guy's got to go because he's he's getting so old he can't, you know, like, poor, you know, even Krzyzewski where he can't even, he's got to sit down on the sidelines. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's just it. It, I, it was kind of surprising, like you said, when I heard last night that it, this was it. Uh, because, like you said, all these guys go to their 70s, but maybe he, you know, some guys get, maybe he's burned out, maybe he's got some family he wants to spend time with, he wants to enjoy life a little bit more. You know, coaching's a toll. There's, I mean, you're, sometimes you're putting 18 to 20 hour days, whether it's 
film or recruiting or you know just an everyday practice or doing media stuff. I mean, it's. I mean, he's got he's got three kids. He's sixty years old, so it is. I mean, it, I don't know how old his kids are, but it's possible that they are, or at least one of them is maybe college age or a little bit older or something, and maybe he'd like to be. Because he certainly wasn't around the last twenty years. He ain't been around a whole lot. Let's be honest. There's or at least during basketball season, anyway. You know, you're, they're traveling and all of that, so you're not at home a lot, uh, even for these guys. So you know, he might want to spend some time with the maybe the might the, the wife might have Tom Brady'd him. Yeah. You know, you can't rule that out either. That's true. And you know, in some cases, hey. some guys are smart enough to if they like their wives. But, you know, we can't all be uh, Ed Oberon. Maybe in 39 days he'll come back. <laughs> well, if he'd have won the national championship this year, he wouldn't have left probably. But That's something, though. The two Final Four coaches, they're done. Yeah, not, not, I mean, when's the last time that happened, if ever? Yeah. yeah. Probably not, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, that, that's an interesting tidbit. So let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit. Not a ton, but a little bit. Uh, uh, once again today in the world of baseball, or rather, uh, I don't think this is anywhere near as controversial as the whole um, uh, removal for the perfect game. But uh, uh, interesting because the Yankees were involved, and I always sort of got to wonder when it's the Yankees. So Miguel, Miguel Cabrera is on the verge of, I think, becoming the, I want to say it was the 33rd guy to hit to get 3,000 hits. I'm surprised there's not more than that. That didn't seem yeah. like enough to me for some reason. But it, And the sad part is, it's, it's uh, I believe in today's world it's getting undervalued because he's did a lot of good. I mean, it's getting under, I think it's underappreciated is what he's done. I mean, this guy uh, was a triple crown winner there a few years back and that hadn't been done in 30 or 40 years. Yeah, he, he will be the 33rd guy. He's been 32 so far. Um, he came up uh, for Florida Marlins uh, in the early 2000s. I mean, he took Roger Clemens deep in the World Series, and uh, so I, I mean, he's 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 a really good hitter, and obviously he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. I think he's got over 500 homers and got the credentials and won the Triple Crown and then MVPs and and uh, won won the one World Series with Florida and made it once or twice with Detroit so uh, I mean when you look at the list of uh, 3,000 hit players you know uh, okay, I mean, Pete Rose Ty Cobb Hank Aaron Stan Musial Jeter Honus Wagner Carly Stremski Paul Molitor okay Eddie Collins wasn't one I was expecting to see but that's way back in the day he must have. He must have been quite the ball player to get three thousand hits between nineteen oh six and nineteen thirty. Okay, yeah, well they didn't hit like crazy back in the day. Longevity there. Yeah, uh, that's also part of it. Um, I mean, okay, and, uh, there's one that I don't expect to see either. I mean, Albert Pujols. <coughs> Surprising to me that he has thirty three hundred hits. Uh, uh, to me, that well, being a Cardinal fan, it really wasn't because. I guess where I followed him, and he, I mean, he had a, when he came in, I mean, his first year in the league, I mean, my gosh, he's hit like 330 and hit, you know, he was playing like a superstar his rookie year. 
All right, okay, guys like, uh, okay, uh, Cal Ripken Jr., all right, not surprised to see that name, um, Eddie Murray, George Brett, guys like that. Boy, the, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers sure, you know, between Robin Yount, Paul Molitor, they should have won a few more World Series in their time. Uh, and did they ever win? Did oh, they win oh, any? Oh, oh. I believe they either won late seventies, early eighties, or at least made it. I believe they. Because I, I thought I, did win. I thought Molitor only won when he was in Toronto. I could be wrong about that. They may have won in the late seventies. Might have to fact check that. So here's a uh, here's a uh, Jeff uh, trivia question for you, Tim. All right. Who's the only player? to get a triple on their 3,000th hit. A triple? Yes. Well, I know it's not Nathan Bush <laughs> uh, because he, he he never tripled. It was either singles or homies well, for, for Big Nate. I don't know about that. He triple cheeseburgered it a lot. <laughs> uh, you know what? He just, you know, if, if Nate was with us, what you would have heard right now would have been, God, God damn. <laughs> I can hear him saying it. Uh, a triple. Hmm. Who? Uh, trying to think of who would have been still fast enough by the time they would have got to... Because... Uh, I mean, Ricky Anderson got three thousand hits. Yeah, oh well, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He got three. He's a leadoff hitter, and got, yeah, I mean, he might. Eh, yeah. I think I would know that if it was him, though. Okay, well, I'll uh, I'll I'll see your triple, and I'll raise you who hit home runs for theirs. Uh, I believe Wade Boggs did. And I believe Derek Jeter did. Yeah, and another Yankee also. Was it A-Rod? Yeah. Okay. And A-Rod, too. Just kind of weird, although A-Rod should have a big asterisk beside Well, the his. biggest the biggest one is, uh, uh, well, Wade Boggs and Jeter. That's something because they were more pure. They weren't really power hitters. No, not real. Boggs definitely wasn't. I mean, Jeter and did the, hit some more. The guy that got the triple wasn't really a speedster either. So. Okay. Well, then that's then you've. Uh, does does he did, you, does he like uh, fried rice? Uh. And fish. That's no, pretty nice. Suzuki. But, no, but he does. Uh. Okay, he got a he does he did like playing in Canada for there a year or two. In Canada. Yeah. Okay, I don't know who the hell you're talking about. Think about it a little bit. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to break it to you. Okay, no. I, well, I've looked it up. Okay, Molitor got a triple, but you do know that Suzuki. Somebody else did this then. Okay. Ichiro okay. Suzuki also did it, so that's okay. why I said fish and rice. Okay. Well, I was about to say. Too, it, it it may have been done since Molitor did it. I was thinking I was saying Molitor, but it may. The I was thing, about to say to you, it may. And he didn't even get his three thousandth hit with Toronto either. Right, he got it with. Because uh, he got that with twins, the Twins. Yeah, yeah, it was with the Twins. Um, mind you, Suzuki didn't get his with the Seattle Mariners either. He gets his with the Yankees. Uh, Miami. 
Miami. Okay. He, he threw a 93 mile per hour uh, fastball the other day. Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that. I mean, he he got his in 2016. A Rod got his in 2015. Uh, Pujols 2018. Jeter was in 2011. So there's only been uh, one, two. Uh, Ripken was in 2000, so that's three. Adrian Beltry was in, so that's four. A-Rod is five. Suzuki is six. Craig Biggio. Ricky Henderson, eight. Uh, Paul Marrow. There's only been nine since the turn of the century. So it's not, you know, it's not that common a thing. Yeah. Especially you oh, think yeah. nowadays with the amount of, mind you, has it gotten harder because of the of the way pitching is? Well, I think you guys are more of a power hitter. Uh, they're more going for home runs. Up batting averages as a whole are down. Uh, that's what you're saying. If Cabrera getting three thousand, we're not really looking at it as a big deal like it maybe once was. But I think it is. I think it's well, considering that baseball's been around for a hundred and some years, and there's only been thirty two guys that did it. By that by that measure, a perfect game's not that big a deal. Yeah, twenty-three. Yeah, so who are we kidding? Sorry, sorry, Clayton. Poor, poor, poor CK got screwed. Um, I think Nate Bush could throw a no hitter because I'm pretty sure I don't know. I mean, a curved ball with hot sauce. I mean, I'm thinking, I think that's almost unhittable. Plus, he blocks out the sun. I mean, there's that, too. You know, in, in day games, he'd be horrible because the plate would be under a shadow when he was out there. The beard. Yeah. Fear, Fear the beard. Fear the beard. Well, you, you weren't around when he lost the um, the uh, trivia challenge to uh, Tom Robinson, were you? No, I don't think so. That was pretty early on, and he shaved his beard on video. Yeah, and that was be- I didn't really know him then, and that was yeah. before I realized how how sacred the beard was. <laughs> yeah, it was like almost like Samson. Yeah, I, I almost felt bad. I thought, geez, that was a. I didn't realize what a commitment <laughs> that was. That was back when I I wanted was mad at him because he didn't know who Sophia Bush was, <laughs> and I really wanted to score with her, and I was upset he couldn't help me with that. Yeah, one of his uh, distant relatives. Well, he didn't. The first, I think, six or seven wide men can't jumps were videotaped or were were digitaled. And they're out there somewhere. I'm not sure whatever happened with Nate's computer. I don't really know. I'm afraid to ask. It's probably an FBI lockup by now. Um, That was a joke, people. Uh, But the he didn't he couldn't see me but I could see him and he had no idea who I was and he he the look on his face when I told him that uh oh, it's too bad you don't know Sophia Bush I I kind of got a thing for her wouldn't mind hooking up with her and Tom is Tom knew so Tom's laughing but Nate has no clue and he's try, <laughs> he's trying to keep straight face <laughs> I didn't real you know at that point I didn't realize how difficult that was for Nate because anybody who knew Nathan knew he was a laugher so 
He was a pretty easy target for jokes, but uh, about himself and anybody else. One of these days, we got to dip into the archives and find some of Nathan's greatest giggles, because he's got a lot of them. Oh yeah, yeah, got a lot of them. Anyway, moving moving on. So that's a little little something extra there, and then for a little bit of extra bonus content, Jeff, we're gonna go to the bonus content. This this is this is what sets us apart. This is what uh, this is why we both get paid uh, in uh, three figures if you count decimal points. Um, there was some uh, some rule changes today announced in college football. All right, I'm all ears. Um, so the first one, the Kenny Pickett rule. You can now no longer fake the slide. If you fake the slide, the ball is dead wherever you started to fake the slide at. Okay, I actually think that's a good rule. I do. However, I have one problem with it. All right. Uh, As the rule is written, uh, where does that go? Because I didn't care for the way it was... uh, uh, the rule now states that any time a ball carrier simulates a feet first slide, officials will declare the runner down at that spot. Okay, what defines a slide? How far am I allowed to go before that's con- considered sliding? Can I start to fall down but not slide? Like if you were, you know, if you're going feet first to give yourself up, like an NFL quarterback would do. Like how how far how far down do I have to get for it to actually be a slide? Is my question, because you know somebody's gonna stutter step, or something, and then keep going. Oh yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you know, if you drop, if you just drop into your knees, can I? Is that Man. does that count, or can I still blast you? If I'm a defensive so this isn't black and white in your eyes. Well, it's kind of leaving a tiny bit of room open for interpretation of what exactly is a feet first slide. Yeah, I think it might be up to the uh, officials' discretion. Really, is. Um, I mean, I'm glad that like they. Because I didn't think that Pickett really. I mean, if you if you're actually going into a feet first slide, you can't get back up from that anyway. You know, if you throw your feet out in front of you and start to go down, you're going to go down, right? You can't right. you can't not keep running. So I'm sort of I'm curious as to how long it'll be before somebody tests that. It also yeah. it also says feet first. Does that mean both feet? Yeah, they might have. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just, one. you know, I mean, I'm playing kind of lawyer and devil's advocate and all that, but I, I thought that was maybe left a little bit of room. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still in favor of the rule because you oh, don't. Want me to too, do. because I don't yeah. like that, especially when if we're going to punish defensive players for targeting and all that. Right, right. Um, which is one of, another one of the, the rule changes. Uh, there's a change that involves an appeal process for targeting calls. Uh, in the past, when a player was called for targeting in the second half of a game, he was suspended first half of the next game. 
Now they have decided that you've got the option to appeal the call, but you have to do it on the field. You can't do it after the fact, after you looked at the tape. Um, to, according to the new rule, a conference will submit an appeal to the uh, coordinator of officials, who will then review the play. If the official believes the targeting call was incorrect, they will overturn the call and reinstate the penalized player. Which So you may, if you get the targeting and it really wasn't targeting, you can at least appeal and not miss the next game, particularly if we're talking about um, uh, bowl game or bigger or championship or whatever. So there's that. Uh, the next one was um, fake injuries. I didn't realize this was a problem in college football. Apparently a lot of guys are faking stuff for... Uh, hurry-up offenses. So now schools that believe an opponent has faked an injury to secure additional timeouts may now submit a report to the national coordinator of officials who will then review it. And But uh, I don't know what good that does because once again... Yeah, what, what are they going to be able to the do? New, the new rule states any penalties will be up to individual conferences. So it ain't good. So it's not gonna. Yeah, it's not. Well, it's not gonna help you during the game, by the sounds of things. So I don't know. Unless you're gonna play somebody again or something, maybe. Um, uh, It says we considered all the options to address this issue, including allowing. Oh, oh, that's for the overtime. Sorry. Oh no. We considered all options to address the issue, including allowing both teams an opportunity to substitute after a first down, which we will look at again in the future. So instead of you delaying the game, everybody, you already know that there's going to be, after a first down, you're going to get a chance to run out different players. I don't know how I feel about that. I'd have to see that in action. Yeah. Um, And the last one was blocking below the waist. Uh, the NCAA will allow blocking below the waist only by li- linemen and stationary backs inside the tackle box. Outside the tackle box, that could be like a three or four yard. Yeah, outside the tackle box, uh, blocking below the waist is now prohibited. Uh, uh, don't know that that's a huge deal. Well, I mean, like I said, if a receiver gets out on the and sees a corner or a linebacker coming and blindsides them, but, you know. You can't drop to your knees and take their legs out anymore. Right, yeah. Yeah, okay, that might be more from an injury point of view, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's more about the... Which I'm okay. Yeah, I mean, I can't, you can't, it's hard to argue if it's about protecting guys. Yeah. Unless it's the quarterbacks. They got too much protection already. Yeah. Wow. Well, you can take thank Tom Brady and Peyton for that, but, you know. Well, I don't mind hits to the head I'm fine with. It's this, okay, you, you can't hit him in the head anywhere, in any way, shape, or form. You can't hit him in the knees or below. Like, where are you supposed to hit him? Like, if you can't get him in the torso, it's almost like you can't hit them. And I would argue, I mean, it's one thing if you come in untouched and you drop down and blast a guy in the knee. <laughs> okay, that, that's maybe dirty. But when you got two linemen hanging all over you... <laughs> And you reach out and you accidentally hit a guy in the helmet. I don't know that. I mean, maybe that's a penalty, but I don't know that it needs to be an automatic. Uh, what? It's 15 and a first down, right? Right, right. Yeah, that might be a bit steep. 
in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on the play. But again, they, they we already well used to. They have like five yard penalties and fifteen yard like on, on face mask and things like that. Sometimes it was incidental, and they'd have to go back and. But yeah, yeah. a lot of people think they're slowing the game down too with all these reviews and things like that. But I, if it was me, we bitched about not getting the car right either. So you know something's got to we got to common ground. I like to see scoring plays. I like those to be right. That and turnover, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and turn well, turnover. or turn turnovers, penalties. I don't know because I mean, let's be honest. Depending on the penalty, they they make penalties every play. Well, there's a hold on every play. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Without doubt, there's a hold on every play, and even pass interference by the letter of the rules. Yeah, there's either an offensive or a defensive one on almost every deep ball ever thrown. That isn't caught. Even the ones that are caught. Um, I would like to just see instead of them striving for uh, correctness I mean I got nothing against correctness but I would rather that they strived for consistency if that little uh, you know in all sports even basketball too if that little hand check at the line is, isn't, a, isn't a pass interference this time it shouldn't be for the next play either or for the other team now, I know that's asking a lot, but I, I would like to see them just, okay, if you're going to let that go, then let it go. Don't decide to call it because the game got tight, and now all of a sudden that's a penalty now, if it wasn't in the first quarter. Just my take. Well, just to throw it out there, my hockey team is getting destroyed, and it's a, <laughs> it's a good thing it's not on the television, or I might not have a television. Well... Ah, they gotta lose it. It's a meaning, totally meaningless game. Yeah. Well, we'll have to do a NHL preview. Well, next 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 preview. Thursday, the the uh, regular season is almost over. There'll only be a handful by this time next week. The uh, it'll be pretty much set. What else is going on next Thursday? Something pretty big in the sports world. It's become like a big event. On th- oh oh. Well, there's a bunch of uh, poor, underprivileged guys <laughs> who somehow, by no, just b- by sheer luck. Uh, uh, well, no, isn't it? It's Slave Day on Thursday, next Thursday. That's what it is, according to Colin, Colin Kaepernick, anyway. Oh, gosh. And now, and, and now that guy wants to get back into that league that where he claimed it's all white slavery. White slave owners, and now he, he thinks he could be a good backup for somebody. He's not getting back in the league. The only way he gets back in the league is a pure one hundred percent publicity stunt. He hasn't played for how many years? I, I mean, I, I'd laugh. Oh well, I didn't just see him throw those balls at Michigan. Yeah, he threw three balls or four deep balls to a wide open guy with no defenders and no pass rush. I know high school quarterbacks that could do that all day long. And do, for that matter. Not could, they actually do it. Um, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I have just no sense of humor about Colin Kaepernick. I, he could have been back in the league. He had a chance to play for Denver and said no. Uh, they had the, com, the 
workout set up for him, and he decided he didn't like it and didn't show. So, yeah, I don't know. Was he run out of money? Nike stopped paying him, or what? Uh, I think he's, at the time, he felt like he was better than, but now it seems like he's taking what he can get. I mean, I, I got I got no real opinion one way or other about the kneeling and all of that because I don't think he knelt for the reasons that that ended up being attributed to him. I think the press ran with most of that, at least initially anyway. His thing was about police brutality. I don't think it had anything to do with what they turned it into, at least at the beginning, without getting into all of that. But, I mean, his, his Netflix thing where he literally said, uh, you know, like the combine was like slave owners buying slaves. And it's just like, dude, slaves never got paid, <laughs> never got signing bonuses. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you can say what you want about the draft process and all that, but because, I mean, there is some argument there that maybe players should have a tiny bit of say about where they end up. But, uh, yeah, I guess Colin, yeah, whatever. Moving on from Colin. Well, the good old boys are going down to Talladega. Talladega? Are they filming a crappy movie? (laughs) Well, I mean, not crazy about the the racing that's there, but it is always interesting just because of how all the cars are packed and usually... Uh, one minor error by uh, one of the drivers can take out about 10 to 15 cars. So it is, you know, Talladega is sometimes good for having a first-time winner, and there has been three this year. Should have been four last week. Uh, but anyways. Well, there's, uh, well, we don't have any any uh, F1 until May. Uh, I think there's one the 24th of Sunday. Uh, well, not on this schedule, there isn't. Italian Grand Prix, I thought, was the... Unless they may have canceled it. Maybe I'm looking at the... Oh, no, I'm looking at IndyCar. Okay. F1? That's, that's why. I think it's the Italian Grand Prix, I believe. Well, according to this, we got... what? How come I can't look at that? Oh, this is painful. Racing. Well, no, that's IndyCar, right? That's what well, I want. Well, I only got, the only thing they got here is NASCAR and IndyCar. They don't have anything else. They don't have F1, Formula One racing. They do, but you can't click on it. Oh. Um, okay, well, they had Vegas. Fair enough. I don't I don't know. There doesn't... Uh, Vegas is hosting an F1 race in November, but that's not until next year. Next year, they're going to have... It's What's unbelievable, next year, F1's going to have three races in the States. Miami, Las Vegas, and then uh, Coda in Texas. Well, rednecks with pickups and motorhomes, you rejoice. <laughs> I never, re- I, I, I don't mind it. It's another thing. I can watch it for a little while, and then I, I, I don't want to watch it anymore. Like, there has to be, like, you know, one or two or three guys who've got a chance to win and they're kind of battling back and forth kind of thing. Or yeah. else, I'd, or else I'd, right. I can't get interested in it. I think that's why a lot of people's turning to golf right now. It's 
uh, we we looked at the ratings there last week, and uh, I mean it was the week after the Masters, and yet there was the ratings for golf was still pretty high. And you're right; uh, the Italian Grand Prix is uh, qualifying starts tomorrow. So you were correct. What a what a shock, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Jeff, right again. Has Jeff ever been wrong? Tune in next week <laughs> when Tim goes for trivia with Jeff, and all the questions are about curling and lacrosse. <laughs> Don't ask me any about any boot players lacrosse. And, uh, oh well, then you just say um, I take the fifth. Okay. Or maybe not. Does that even apply? Well, yeah, you take the fifth, right? I can't answer because I might criminate myself. That that fits. Yeah, yeah, that that criminate. Uh, I uh, I refer that question to uh, Coach Shashevsky. No, not no, that's not right. I I uh, I refer that uh, question to Coach Sandusky. Oh. <laughs> Woo. Okay. Well, now this was not. This was just rape of women. This wasn't. <laughs> This had nothing to do with minors, All right. or, or did it? Or did it at Duke? Did that was it? Okay. Were they underage? Okay, that draft special next week. No, seriously, was the were the Duke was those accusations involving girls that were no, underage, or were they, were they just other college girl, age girls? Uh, I don't. No, I think they were college girls. As far as I know, too. Yeah. So yeah. that's a, yeah. That's not even yeah. close to Sandusky. Okay. Uh, Anyways, too soon. No? Too soon? What is it? Oh, I thought you said something else. Too soon for Sandusky jokes? Nah. Nah, that's just, that's, I mean, they, that's one of those things nobody should ever forget it happens, or that it happened, but it's a mystery to me how that got swept under the carpet for all those how years. How it happened for so long, yeah. Yeah, it, uh, there's a lot of complicit individuals in that, that yeah. a lot of which never got taken to task as much as he did. Not that he didn't deserve to be taken to task. Yeah, and, and you really, uh, uh, Joe Paul really took a hit. Well, he he should have. Yeah. That was his program. Whether he was an old man and shouldn't have been in charge of it anymore is another question. But uh, I mean, it certainly ruined his legacy. And to be honest, from what I know about what happened and the what came out in the trial and shit, it should have. He had to have known. As far as I could yeah. see, but oh well, these things happen. Uh, what else? I, I don't think I got anything else. Uh, I believe we covered about. I think I've uh, pretty much exhausted uh, this and uh, pretty much put everybody to sleep by this point. So yeah, so I might have got everybody asleep with the golf, but uh, I felt like it needed to be discussed. Though. And I know you did too. And, uh, well, it's a sport that was really quite popular that we, uh, to be honest, we never really covered very much because one of us didn't like it very much, yeah. and which was so, fine, but uh, we, we've, we've switched it out for basketball at this point. <laughs> yeah, well. Except for college yeah, basketball. Uh, well, Nathan and I, we went to the, I think he had a good time at it, he just didn't, I mean, he, it, it, I mean. Well, they never had Taco Bell for a sponsor, you see. Hey, you know what's interesting? White men can't jump. They had uh, Les, uh, Wesley Snipes and uh, uh, Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson on uh, ESPN earlier talking about the movie and everything. It was pretty interesting. It's an interesting movie. Um, it's been a while since I've seen it, so I don't know if it's worth a revisit or not. Maybe. 
I, it was all right. I, I, I think I will revisit that. There's a lot of, uh, in my memory, there's a lot of cursing in that movie. Yeah, cursing. Uh, just the, the culture and stuff like that, I'd like to just revisit. And... Uh, uh, one you got to see is, um, and I can't remember exactly, it's about a, it's an old retired uh, basketball player that goes back and plays uh, street ball. Uh-huh. Uh, Uncle something. Uh it was really good. I laughed because it's a... Uh, uh, not a Bernie Mac movie, is it? Uh, I don't... Well, he might be. No, I think it's newer than that. Because there's some... Uh, I'm just trying to find it. There's some uh, actual players are playing uh, uh, some of the characters. Uh, okay, yeah, no, those are real basketball movies. This isn't real. It's just... I mean, nothing's going to beat Hoosiers as far as basketball movies go. Oh, but yeah, it's been great. That's, that's, I mean, that's not just a great basketball movie. That's a great movie. Um, I mean, this is kind of a comedy, but it has a bit of a story that the, you know, the young guys think that they, they know everything. And this old guy who's, who they think is all washed up, he, he quit playing for other reasons, and he's still got game, and it's pretty hilarious. Um for the life of me, I can't find it. right now. I can't find what it was called. I have to look. I'll have to look it up, and uh, I'll let you know because it's worth watching if you can find it somewhere. And on that note, that's it. Another edition in the books. Uh, quick shout outs to everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. As I said, you know, Ed Bogus. Ed Bogus, particularly. Uh, Quick shout out to uh, Danielle Hoff, who apparently now is a published pharmacist researcher. Uh, she was insufferable as it was. You know, no, now, now, I mean, God, she's going to be unbearable. Yeah. Love her, but she, well, she's a well, she's a woman, so you know, what can I say? Uh, like, yeah, oh yeah, well, that, that said that for her. I wonder. So. I wonder who Ed's going to pull for the Marshall Notre Dame game this year. Oh, I don't know if he's a Marshall guy. I'm not sure. Yeah, he's probably going to be for the Irish. Yeah, I think his allegiance runs pretty deep when it comes to the Irish. The Irish, the Celtics. Well, the green makes... I'm going to have on is the herd on, baby. So. I can't quite figure out, though, with him, okay? The Notre Dame, fine. So that makes the Celtics make sense. It's the Yankees I can't figure out. Mm, yeah. Uh, maybe when he was younger, he or somebody maybe maybe like Donnie it baseball. Is, or um, or, it is uh, your age, I believe, or right around maybe, there. So he missed like Pete, he missed like the Pete. glory he missed the glory years though. He well, wouldn't have, he wouldn't have been old enough. Well, if he would have been my age, he would have got to visit the nineties, the late nineties. They won four out of five years. That isn't the glory years for the Yankees though. Well, I four missed, out of five, pretty good. I missed I missed the glory years of the Yankees. Back in the 30s and 20s, 40s and 50s, yeah, they, won, they won like eight out of nine or something. Yeah, they've been, they've been, they probably, to be honest, in the last what 15 or 20 years, as bad as that franchise has ever been. Yeah, um, that's true. To be honest, I mean, <laughs> they did a lot of winning. They right? still, uh, and they're still about decent. The, uh, Houston cheating and beating them on the seven games. Uh, I have no sympathy for the Yankees. Sorry. <laughs> It's right up there, right? Yeah, up there. like they've never done anything to where they paid for 
players. Oh, yeah, it's within the rules, though, right? Well, it was, and I mean, and they still, they don't do it as much anymore. Yeah, luxury but, taxes. But they used to be just luxury tax. They, they had a luxury tax that was damn near some teams' salaries for their teams. I mean, they were way over the the limit. I don't know. I've never understood what the point of a cap is if you can go over it. Anybody who can afford to go over it can afford to pay the luxury tax, so it doesn't really stop anyone. But, anyhow, on that note, another edition in the books. Final words, as always, to that eloquent speech giver, Jeff. Uh, well, you kind of caught me off guard. I didn't know you was, I just, you know, wanted to even though we talked about it for 45 minutes earlier, uh, I felt like uh, the documentary on Norman was, uh, I think he was needed for this generation. Like the guy, people like people maybe in their 20s, just to show how you handle, you know, defeat in, at your worst and still, you still have a good life. And, uh, of course, he's a big time uh, made millions and millions, and what'd you say he was worth? Four hundred yep. million of dollars. That's what they uh, claim, anyway. So it's in that uh, ballpark. Yeah, anyway. you, you can take a defeat and not, and not be the end of the, not be the end of the world. It's what you make of it. I'm gonna. Uh, uh, I sense a budding relationship on the horizon. <laughs> and anyway, that's it from us. Have a good night, everyone. We'll see you next week. And we're clear.